Good morning. I've um, just so delighted that Dan just mentioned prayer uh, today and how important it is. Um, the, my preamble is this, that last Sunday um, I came into the prayer meeting and just sat there and just we just soaked up the presence of the Lord just just for a little moment. And then in the middle of that, I looked across the room and um, John Chalice was sitting there staring out of the window and I thought, well, why is he doing that? He didn't say anything and it was quiet for a while. Then this beautiful little prayer came out, oh Lord, I am so grateful that I can look out the window and feel safe in this place. That you are, you have just so somehow provided this beautiful place for us. We live in this beautiful country, and yet the world is full of chaos. And here we are in incredible safety. And I want to give you thanks for that. That really touched my heart. Um, and so um, today, I want you to join me as we pray. Um, because I want to reflect on the gratitude that we need to give to God for the situation that we do find ourselves in. And so let's pray. Father God, we acknowledge our dependence on you. And we acknowledge that you do something amazing in our hearts. They are warmed as we realise how our health professionals and our federal and state governments have tried to care for us with the many complexities that is, have been existing over the last year or so. Okay, yes, Lord, we are aware of the scary news at times when vaccination issues and the outbreaks we hear about. And so we pray for continual wisdom to be given to those who have to make decisions. However, Lord, at this time we're aware of so many countries who are still struggling, not just with COVID, but with military unrest and all kinds of chaos. Perhaps some of you have a country of particular interest on your heart. Perhaps you were born there, you have friends or if you have relatives there. So today I'm going to ask you that individuals stand to represent your country of birth or your country of concern, the one that's on your heart. I'm not asking you to pray out loud. I'm just asking you to stand as a representative of that country. So I wonder if you could stand and call out the name of your country right now and then we'll pray together. Thank you. There are other countries that I've thought about too, and that is America. That is, there are European countries that are really, really struggling. Indonesia is struggling. Fiji is still struggling. And PNG, I spoke uh, only yesterday to Pastor Barry Silverback's wife, who told me that it's absolutely chaos in Port Moresby. 
absolute chaos because of their culture. So if right now you could just quietly, I'm going to give a minute for just for your own prayers, for your own country, and then I'll join, ask you to join and we'll pray together. So corporately now we pray. Lord God, we are now such a global community and know so much more about what's happening in our much wider world. So we want to be responsible for interceding on behalf of others. We pray that your hand will continue to use all these events and things to turn the hearts of many cultures towards you, their creator. Hear our prayers, Lord, for all of those our hearts are concerned for as we ask for the nations. And now I wonder if you, can I invite you all to stand? Most of you know that um, yesterday it was the funeral of um, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Many of us have British roots, but um, I want to acknowledge the fact that he was an amazing man in the way that he actually just supported our Queen for so many years. And this is what I want to pray. Lord, we want to acknowledge the life and passing of His Royal Highness Prince Philip and his tireless support of Her Majesty the Queen. Over many, many decades, we thank you for the example that they have set of a long commitment to marriage, to selfless service, and we pray that you will continue to comfort our Queen as she deals with her loss. We acknowledge our Queen too and her amazing example of the prayerful Christian honour. And we thank you for the stability that we have enjoyed in this country because of the Westminster form of government. And finally, when our Prime Minister Scott Morrison made his initial statement regarding Prince Philip's death, he quoted in conclusion three lines from the British National Anthem. God save our gracious Queen. Long live our noble Queen. God save our Queen. And as a family of believers, we want to echo these words. And so, Father God, in, this, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray all of these things. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see you all here this morning, and I extend a welcome if you're new to our uh, family here. Um, I trust that you're feeling uh, God's presence uh, in this place as we gather together in his name. Uh, I just want to thank the worship team uh, for wonderful worship this morning, great sense. Uh, and Nadine, your, your word this morning that his grace is sufficient for us, uh, I think is, is true for every single one of us in this room. Uh, many of us feel uh, insignificant and small at many times, uh, but God's grace is always there to carry us through and, and hold us together. Amen. So uh, this morning, uh, I just want to bring a message uh, from a, a passage of Scripture. I just want to give a bit of a background to it. Um, uh, we've just had our Love Where You're At series. We've just um, been going through and unpacking uh, how Jesus commanded us to, to love our neighbour as ourself. And that's come out of a, a desire for us as a church, as Dan mentioned, to, to be using the facility and to be reaching out into our community with God's love 
and actually seeing a difference made, uh, that it's not just a Sunday morning thing, but it's more than a Sunday as a gathered community to be making a difference in our world. And um, we've, we've done that, that series, and uh, D- Dave Smythe will be preaching next week. So I had this one week in the middle that's uh, kind of sort of just a, a normal week, I guess, not part of a series. And I was, I was thinking, what, what should we preach on? And um, I just had the kids all week because Joe was away uh, interstate and I was, I was feeling a bit tired and I was coming to the end of the week and I still hadn't had a word. And I was driving to work and I heard God say, the sheep and the goats. And I was like, nah, nah, that, that's not, that can't be right. Uh, for, for those who are, um, have been around and you, you know your, your Bibles, the sheep and the goats is a passage of Scripture that is it's quite confronting, really. Um, and it's about judgment, it's about heaven and hell. And I thought, oh, Lord, what if there's, there's visitors there? They might think that that's what we're all about. Uh, what if there's, there's new Christians there? They might get the wrong idea. Um, this, you know, it's a real interesting passage of Scripture. I don't know that, no. <laughs> and, and then it just kept coming back to me, kept coming back to me. And I, and I, got, I felt the sense of the Lord saying, what if there's just one person that's touched by this, this word this morning? That would be worth it, wouldn't it? That would be worth it. So if you're that one person at the end of... No, no, just joking. Um, so then I, I started reading the text and I read it and I read it again. I was like, yeah, I'm going to read it again and I read it again. I was like, Lord, there's nothing coming. What is it that you're wanting to say uh, through this passage? And then I read it again and all of a sudden... He started to reveal some new things that I just didn't pick up before. And many of us perhaps been in the church for many, many years, and we, we read scriptures, we read stories over and over and over again, and we just get the same thing, don't we? And I start this way because I think it really picks up the importance that when we read the scripture, we don't just read it, but we take it in. We, we meditate on it, we, we chew on it. And we allow the Spirit of God to actually speak through it. And even though it might be a passage that we've heard a million times, the Lord can breathe something fresh and something new uh, into it. So I encourage you as, you as you read the Word, not just to read it and to tick it off. I've done my Bible reading today. But sit on it. Let it impact your heart. Let it change your life. And so I'm just going to um, start this morning by, by reading this passage of scripture, and then um, come back and, and unpack bits of it. So if you've got uh, your Bibles or your devices and you want to turn to Matthew 25, Matthew 25, and it starts at verse 31. And Dave, you might need to do my, my PowerPoint because I'm holding my Bible and my microphone. <laughs> so Matthew 25 says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, righteous to eternal life. I just want us to begin to imagine the scene. It says that Jesus will return. It doesn't say Jesus maybe one day will or it's up to another event to happen in order for it to happen. Uh, no, Jesus will return. And it says that he's going to return in all of his glory. Just imagine that for a moment. Jesus in all of his glory. I think sometimes when, when we think about Jesus' return, we think of Jesus coming as the man that we see perhaps in a movie. He's got his, his long hair, he's got his beard, he's got his sandals on. Um, he's, he's just the man, but it says in all of his glory. Last week we looked at Philippians where it talked about um, how Jesus emptied himself to become a man. And one of the things that Jesus emptied himself of was his glory. In fact, in, in John 17, when Jesus is praying for his disciples, just before that, Jesus says to the Father, Now glorify your Son with the glory that I had before creation of the world. As in, when I was in my full-on glory, and, and Jesus had to empty himself of that glory in order to, to become a human being and to be, be part of, of one of us. But Jesus will come again in all of his glory. And it says, well, all of his angels, tens of thousands of angels. I don't think any Hollywood CGI uh, company could actually make that picture happen in a movie. It's just going to be awesome and amazing. And imagine him saying, come, uh, come into your inheritance that was for you before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world, God's plan was for you and I and for all of those who trust in Jesus to come into an inheritance and into an eternal life with him. What an amazing picture. Jesus says, or the, the, the passage says that he will gather the nations. Now, in your version, you might have read, he said to gather the nations before him. It's an interesting word there. The word that's been translated in some other translations says all of the peoples. Because what it's actually saying is it's not 
just nation groups or people groups. It's actually the individuals will be gathered uh, before Jesus. No matter how wealthy, no matter how famous, no matter who they are, all peoples will be uh, in front of him. And we're saying every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. So this is, this is a word that is going to happen. This is a certainty. And I, so often we don't talk about eternal things. It's not a topic of conversation that we, 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 we bring up. But at the men's breakfast, um, one of the questions was, what motivated you to, to um, you know, walk in the spiritual life? And, and, and Trevor's first words were, well, hell is a real thing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. For some people, it is a motivation. They think about their eternal life. This life is so short. And it goes past like that. But there is an eternity. And where is our eternal place? Where is our eternal home? We don't spend a lot of time thinking about that in our everyday lives. So he will come again. This is, this is a certainty. In fact, in the, the, the Apostles' Creed, um, we don't we talk about this much, much in church. The Apostles' Creed was, was put together by the, the first uh, group of, of believers. And it says there, on the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. This is what the, the early church believed. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So Jesus divides the sheep on the right. Now the right, we know biblically, is a place of honour. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. When Jesus talked about um, first will be last and last shall be first, we're talking about don't take your place when you come to a party in the place of honour. That's on the right of the, of the guests. So Jesus comes and he places the sheep on his right. I'll be back in a minute. Here we go. Places the sheep on his right. Many of you will know that this is Cecil from our kids' stories. And this is just some random picture I found on the internet. Goats, actually, that makes me Jesus, doesn't it? I don't like that very much. I might put the sheep on your right. So (laughs) there we go. And the goats. Sheep on the right. So he separates the sheep and the goats. Now it was very common uh, in Jesus' time for shepherds to have a herd that incorporated both sheep and goats. In fact, I've got a, a picture here. Um, of a, a typical herd, and you, you'd see that there's some sheep and there's some goats in there that we can see a difference of. Um, and, and it was necessary to, to separate them for, for a number of reasons. But we would look at a picture like that and go, well, it's pretty easy, isn't it, to separate sheep from a goat? Isn't it pretty obvious, the difference? Um, particularly with my pictures. Uh, but is it that easy? See, it depends on the breed, and particularly uh, in, in ancient times, the, the, the breeds were very different. In fact, I've got a bit of a quiz here that I found online. 
to see if you can separate the sheep from the goats. So which one is a sheep and which one is a goat? Do you think you can work that one out? Did you get it right? (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? What about this one? Worked it out? Got, Got your idea in your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People got that one right. Very good. <laughs> All right, this one. You're all talking to one another. I reckon it's that one. I reckon it's that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, someone got it wrong. Surely it's easy to separate uh, sheep from the goats. But back, back in, in Jesus' day... That they looked very similar, and depending on on the breed, and uh, I guess the first point that I want to make is that we can't hide in the crowd, uh, and it doesn't matter about just going along with the herd when it comes to our walk with Jesus. I think many of us, perhaps in our younger years, think if I, as long as I'm with the group, as long as I turn up, as long as I rock up, as long as I sing the right songs, as long as I do this. Then, then I'm I'm in in the crowd, I'm I'm safe. But Jesus can separate the sheep from the goats, and it's not about just going with the crowd. Uh, the the Bible says that man looks on the outside, as in we look at the outward appearance of ourselves and and how we act and and what we try and uh, portray ourselves as. But God looks at the heart. God looks at, at our hearts and, and what's on the inside that, that matters. And so apart from our looks, there are differences between sheep and goats. There's the, the, the outside appearance, but there's actually the temperament of a, of a goat, the nature of a goat or a sheep. It's, it's their instinct. Sheep, by nature, are a herd loving. They're group loving. You know, they, they go together. Uh, they are led, they um, are, are vulnerable, they need protecting, um, they, uh, they can be held down to shear them. Goats, on the other hand, are very individualistic. They're quite rebellious. They will, they will buck you if you come, come near them and try and lead them somewhere. They're independent. In fact, um, someone once said... Um, a shepherd protects sheep from the environment, but a goat herder protects the environment from the goats. <laughs> if you think about what they eat, what they eat is very different. A shepherd will lead the sheep to green pastures where they, they eat grass, which is good for them. Whereas, as we know, goats will eat absolutely anything and everything. And again, there's a picture there for us. As, as the shepherd leads us, and, and what do we fill our lives with? Do we fill our lives with the good green grass that the Lord leads us in? The, the word is a lamp to my feet and a, go, a light to my path. Or do we just take in everything and eat everything in the world and, and, and fill ourselves and our lives with, with anything and everything, even if it's destructive, even if it's hurtful and does damage to our insides? So there's a difference between the sheep and the goats. But the main difference is that sheep 
will follow a shepherd and will be led, whereas goats are independent and won't be led. They are stubborn. It says in John 10, My sheep, Jesus says, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's the difference. I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. In fact, uh, this passage of scripture comes in a, a package of three uh, in, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew where they're all stories about Jesus returning and what's going to happen. We had the, the ten virgins and, the, and the, the bags of gold just before this passage. And in each of them, Jesus mentions about knowing the people. It's about knowing Jesus and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. In fact, um, came across this great quote from Charles Spurgeon, I may know all the doctrines in the Bible, but unless I know Christ, there is not one of them that can save me. Isn't that true? I can be so clever, I can know it all, but unless I know Christ, unless I follow him, unless he's made his, his home in my heart, then it makes no difference. None of that other stuff can save me unless I know Christ. And so we have this picture then of this division between the different animals, the sheep and the goats. And upon a simple reading of this text, we get the picture and the idea that salvation is based on what we do. It comes across that way, doesn't it? Those who came into eternal life and into the inheritance that was promised were those who who did the good works, who looked after the, the poor, the needy, visited the prison, that clothed the people. And those that, that didn't were those who didn't do those things. And I, I really struggle with that and I, and I wrestle with that. Um, if we look at the whole, whole picture of Scripture, that it sort of goes against what we know about salvation. Salvation is by faith, not by works. We are saved by grace so that no one can boast. So when I'm looking at this passage of Scripture, I'm thinking, hang on a minute. This seems to be saying that we are saved by what we do. That we, That is the division between those who inherit and those who don't. Is that the picture that you got as, as we read it? It's a challenging passage, isn't it? I think the early listeners would have understood when Jesus said, I separate the sheep and the goats, because those early listeners were shepherds and farmers and, and understood the temperament and the difference between the two animals. So many people in our world have the idea that we get to heaven by what we do, by how we act, by the way we live our lives. In fact, um, Joe and I went to, to England when Skylar was 10 months old and uh, we got to, to stay with, with her family and um, I was just newly, new out of Bible college and, and raring to 
argue the world into the kingdom. And um, <laughs> I was, was staying with um, uh, one, of, one of Joe's relatives and I remember staying up one night and having a conversation and the idea that um, this relation had was as long as I'm doing enough good and I'm doing a little bit more good than the people around me, then I know I'm safe. In other words, if I can gauge an average of good works in my society, as long as I do just a little bit more than that, then I'm above the average grade and surely I'm in. And I think that's a a picture and an idea that many uh, people in our world have about what it means to inherit eternal life. In fact, many religions of this world actually have that as their premise, how you work your salvation and I looked at this passage and I'm like, look, what is it, what is it, what is it? And then it, it came to me. How were the people divided? Were they divided by what they did? Have a look at the text. How were they first divided? They were first divided by whether they were a sheep or a goat. That's the division that, that happened. It wasn't upon what they did. And the sheep, by nature, by who they were, by their character, outworked their character in their life by doing good things. The goats outworked who they were on the inside by the character that they were. The sheep did sheep things because they're sheep. (laughs) The goats did goat things because they were goats. The Christ follower does good things because they're a Christ follower. There is a natural flow. The good works are an effect, not a cause, of salvation. Our salvation is by grace and by faith and out of that comes the gratitude that was prayed of this morning and and the good works that flow in a way that the sheep didn't even realise that they were doing it. It was instinct. It was their nature because of what what God had done in their lives. Good works our cause of salvation, not the effect of salvation. Uh, Sorry, the other way around. (laughs) John chapter 13 says, By all this people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So there is an outworking of our faith and our love for one another and that people notice the difference. The behaviour comes out of who we are. In this story, there is a distinctive of two different types of animals and their behaviour, their actions were a flow of who they were on the inside. 
Bible says, out of the overflow of the, 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 the mouth, the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's an example of that. What matters is, on, is what's on the inside. It's not what we do on the outside. And I feel like there's people here perhaps today that need to know that the life with Jesus isn't about doing. It's about being. To be who we are called to be first and foremost. And out of that comes the doing. It is not about nature, about behaviour. It is about our nature. Now, when I looked at the distinctiveness between sheep and goats, I, and this is my struggle, I feel like I'm a goat most of the time. (laughs) I feel pretty independent. I feel pretty stubborn. I feel like I can lead myself, like I've got it all together. And that way of living makes its way known in my life quite often. And we might be thinking, well, if I relate to that, am I a goat or am I a sheep? And I could ask you the question this morning, are you a sheep or are you a goat? It's an interesting question. And if I feel like I'm a goat, can I change? Yes. That's the beauty of the gospel, is that we can change. We, God can transform our hearts. He can transform our nature. And, and that can then have an outgoing effect on our lives. Some of us may have, have grown up and, and been part of the, the Christian walk for a long time and find certain parts of the goat nature trying to bash through and, and, and make its way known again. Maybe this morning is, is a chance to, as we, we sing our last song, Lord, what is it in me that I can see and I'm perhaps surprised by in, in my actions, in my behaviour, that, that don't seem to fit my calling and, and my walking with you? Lord, would you identify those things and, again, change my heart? Would you do a new thing in me? We just had Easter where we talked about the old uh, going and the new coming. You know, when we become a Christian, when we, we put our faith in Jesus, the old goes away and, and the new comes. And, and, and the new heart and the transformed heart makes a difference in our lives and it changes the way we behave, it changes the way we live, it changes the way we view the world. And maybe one or two of you this morning haven't had that opportunity, that experience where you've actually made Jesus your shepherd. Perhaps you've been bucking against it. Perhaps you've been being rebellious. You're saying, no, I don't need it. I don't want it. Uh, that, that's, that's not for me. Thank you very much. The thing about a sheep is it's willing to be led. Are you willing to this morning, come and say, yeah, I've lived my own way. Yeah, I've lived independent of your call. Yeah, I've tried to, to think that I can eat anything and everything, and just, and, but it's destroying me. And it's destroying the things around me. It's destroying those who are close to me. 
today is an opportunity for you to say, Lord, I know that I've been living as a goat. Would you make me your sheep? And would you make me part of your flock? Would you lead me into a life everlasting, into an inheritance that was planned before the creation of the world? It's another reason why we can't say we're saved by works because none of the people could have done anything before the foundation of the world. It was God's plan always before the world was even made to have us come into his family and he's made a way and it's been made possible. Just one small thing before before we close and we come and sing again. And that is, have we, uh, if you look at the text, it says, it describes the, the place of hell as a place that was designed for devil and his angels. Do you know that that was not a place that was designed for you and me? It was only designed for the devil and the angels. But there are those that sometimes choose to continue to live uh, independent and unwilling to submit to the lordship of Christ. And those, and that choice then makes them enter that place. In fact, C.S. Lewis um, once said, you'll never find a reference to God sending anyone to hell. At the end of your life, the verdict is either a life that said, thy will be done, or God's broken heart having to say, thy will be done. The, ch- the choice is yours and mine to accept the invitation of Jesus and to accept the invitation to take this calloused, hard, rebellious life and to change it into a humble, gracious life that would follow Jesus and he will lead you into green pastures and he will give you what you need to eat and he will protect you and he will look after you and his sheep know his voice and he leads them into a life everlasting. So we're going to get up and we're going to sing a song that speaks of turning our eyes to Jesus. And I wonder this morning, as I've been speaking, whether there's been something that's been stirring in your heart about your own life. Have I ever actually invited Jesus to be my shepherd and to change my heart, to change my nature? And for that to have an effect on my life that then overflows into what I do. If that's you this morning, the opportunity and the invitation is there that Jesus wants to offer that to you this morning. But I feel like there's a second group of people this morning, people perhaps who have grown up in in the church and have journeyed and that life is a bit like what Nadine was talking about this morning, that there's, there's some hardships, there's some pain, there's some, some things that you're battling against and you're relying on the old nature to get you through. And, and that's, it's kind of rearing itself in, inside of you. Perhaps there's some things that, that, that are done that are surprising. Whoa, where'd that come from? 
and, and is that, that, that goat nature that's happening inside you. Again, come right now this morning as we, as we sing this next song. I invite you to just to spend time to, to ask the Lord, Lord, do a new thing in my heart. Whether that's a new thing from the get-go, and this morning is your opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Or if you've, you've done that and you're struggling, there's an opportunity again to come to be refreshed for his wonderful love to come and pick you up and for him to change your insides as the, the goat nature is making its way that he'd again strip it back that he'd again do a new thing that he'd again touch your heart and transform your heart and your insides to be one that longs for him that longs to go out and make a difference because of what he's done for you in your life so let's stand now and sing feel free to close your eyes and let the words wash over you uh, there's an opportunity to come out the front if you, if you feel free to kneel and just have a moment with God. We talked about, Dan talked about having moments with God this morning. May this be a moment for you. May this be an opportunity for you to be ministered to by the Spirit as we sing. Jesus, we just thank you. Uh, what a wonderful shepherd you are. Even when we have goat nature and we jump the flock and hide in the hills, you come looking for us. And I just thank you so much that uh, you're pursuing you're pursuing your people. You want us on that right side. Help us to submit. Like Sam, that was a really awesome sermon. And um, you know, as a fan of Keith Green and his pretty full-on song. <laughs> Um, yeah, that context of who we are in his, his eyes and, and that nature that we want to have, Lord. We just, we submit ourselves to you, Father, and yeah, offer it up to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look, there's a opportunity to, to deal with these things and um, not just have Sunday be a service where we tend and say goodbye um, so we have prayer room at the back and if you want to come out the front and have some prayer and address your nature <laughs> maybe that message was for me Sam um, <laughs> really really good but um, yeah we'll be here um, and just yeah continue the fellowship hey okay? all right bless you guys thank you